Have you ever wanted to dive deeper into scripture? If so, you're in luck, because every day there's a new scripture reflection from the thoughtful staff at America Media, thinking through big questions together, like, what do Catholics believe about guardian angels? And what can Gen Zers take away from the Gospels? If you're already a subscriber, you can access these reflections in your email inbox or on our website. If you'd like to become a digital subscriber, it's easy to do. Just visit americamagazine.org slash subscribe, and you'll have full access to America's scripture reflections. Welcome to Inside the Vatican with America Media. Each week, veteran Vatican reporter Gerard O'Connell and I take you behind the headlines for an intergenerational conversation about the biggest stories out of the Vatican. This week, Pope Francis called for an immediate ceasefire in the Holy Land, and has been talking to world leaders about the war. We'll explain what his goal is and why it hasn't yet been realized. I'm Colleen Deli. This is Inside the Vatican. Good morning from New Orleans, Jerry. Good afternoon from sunny, a little windy Rome, Colleen. Oh, I'm jealous. We've got thunderstorms here. We've got good news. They're raising the curfew by one hour tomorrow night. That's great. So what's it going to be now? From 10 in the evening... No, from 11 in the evening tomorrow night until 5 in the morning. And from the 21st of June, there's a distinct hope that the curfew will disappear. That's great. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu says Hamas's military infrastructure has been set back years. But the infrastructure the people of Gaza depend on is also in ruins. Lines Tonight destroyed. reports Hamas has offered conditions for a ceasefire, but Israel is vowing to fight on. Israel dropping more than 100 bombs on dozens of Hamas targets, saying they have thousands more to destroy. The Turkish Hamas news agency Anadolu states that President Erdogan asked for the Pope's help in stopping what he called Israel's massacre against Palestinians. Both the Vatican and Turkey are resorting to their diplomatic strength to stop the ongoing conflict. Davvero pensiamo di costruire la pace. On Sunday, Pope Francis called for an immediate ceasefire to the violence that has escalated between Israeli and Palestinian forces, killing more than 200 people in Gaza and 10 in Israel as of Monday night. Tensions had escalated throughout the last month, beginning on April 13th, which was both the first night of Ramadan, the month of fasting for Muslims, and Israel's Memorial Day, which honors those who have died fighting for the country. That night, the President of Israel was scheduled to give a speech at the Western Wall just outside the Al-Aqsa Mosque, which is one of the holiest sites in Islam. The mosque had been asked not to broadcast the call to prayer that would begin the holiest month of the year. When the mosque refused, Israeli police interrupted the prayers to cut the cables that would broadcast the call to prayer from the minarets. Soon after that, Israeli police were stationed in the plaza outside the mosque to prevent Muslims from gathering to break their fast together. This led to daily clashes in that plaza that soon escalated to attacks on both Jews and Arabs throughout the city. The tensions reached a head near the end of Ramadan when news broke that six Palestinian families living in an East Jerusalem neighborhood would be evicted from their homes, which would then be filled by Israelis. This news of the evictions coincided with the president of the Palestinian Authority canceling the Palestinian government's elections, which prompted Hamas, the more extreme Palestinian militant group, to make a power grab. Hamas issued an ultimatum to Israel, saying they would not stand by if the evictions continued. Now, the Israeli police responded to this with a dramatic escalation. They raided the Al-Aqsa Mosque armed with tear gas and rubber bullets, which created some very disturbing images for people to see one of their holiest sites raided during Ramadan. And the tensions peaked on the last day of Ramadan, which coincided with Jerusalem Day. 
One of the Jerusalem Day celebrations that usually happens is that Jews usually attempt to enter the mosque compound. That same day coincided with the final hearing on those East Jerusalem evictions. While the Jerusalem Day demonstration was routed away from the mosque at the last minute and the eviction hearing was postponed for fear of violence, Israeli police again raided the mosque and Hamas began launching rockets. Israel responded with its own, much more deadly, rockets and bombs. And that brings us to this week and back to the Vatican. Pope Francis called for a ceasefire on Sunday and on Monday spoke with the Turkish prime minister and the Iranian foreign minister, both of which were believed to include discussions about the ensuing crisis in the Holy Land. Pope Francis is also believed to have discussed the crisis with U.S. climate envoy John Kerry last week. So Jerry, to dig into Pope Francis's angle on this, what is his goal in speaking to these world leaders from Iran, Turkey, and the U.S.? The Pope, on his Sunday call, he said, have the ceasefire, let the Palestinians and Israelis begin to talk to each other with the help of the international community. The international community means, in the first place, with the help of the United Nations. But above all, it means certain states. One important state is the United States, because the United States has always stood by Israel. And if the United States doesn't move and put pressure on Israel, Israel will not go to the peace table. Right, because the U.S. gives so much money to Israel, right? More than it gives to any other country. More than it gives to any other country in the world. The second thing, who is supporting uh, the Palestinians? Hamas gets money from Qatar. It gets uh, political support and money from Turkey. It also gets support from uh, other countries as well. Right. Iran in the past has given Hamas money, although they no longer do. Iran was giving a lot of money in the past. Now it seems that what they have given more is technologies, uh, skills, uh, skills that can help them to make bombs, perhaps. In fact, if you remember, Colleen, when, we, when I did the interview with Archbishop Gallagher, we talked about the possibility of the Pope going to Iran. They have respect for him there. So they listen. And they listen because he stands also for the question of justice, peace and justice. But peace cannot come without justice. Okay, so we see Pope Francis talking to countries that are playing a big role on, on both sides of this then. But beyond that, Colleen, what's happening? The Vatican is also has got its ambassador, if you wish, special representative, special observer status at the United Nations in New York, Archbishop Katja who's a very experienced diplomat, and he will be talking to other countries there on trying to get across the Holy See's request, stop the war, stop the fighting. And in other countries around the world where the Vatican has diplomatic missions, they will also be talking with the, their respective uh, foreign ministers. And so the Pope says, it is unacceptable, it is terrible that children are being killed. We have 61 Palestinian children two Israeli children, as of Monday night, May 17th. These, by any standards, cannot be considered as enemies or terrorists. There is no way you can consider. The Israelis say, well, all this is happening in such a crowded space, we cannot avoid the, the killing. But this is why Francis sees the ceasefire and an immediate ceasefire as being so important, right, to prevent the, the further deaths of civilians. In his talk on Sunday, he outlined several points that were his main concerns. The first was the deaths of children, as you mentioned. The second was this, this risk of civil war, right? Because we've seen in mixed Arab and Israeli communities, the, there have been clashes between these people and people being attacked in the streets, attacked in their cars, right? And then the other one that maybe we can spend some time talking about is 
he's really concerned about the sale of arms. And maybe we see that concern coming out when he's talking to these other leaders from Turkey, from Iran, from the US. But he's been talking about that for a long time, that he's really concerned about other countries trying to you know, use conflicts in the Middle East or in, in other regions where there's a lot of tension to sort of fight proxy wars and to funnel arms into there. You remember once I said on this program that a former Vatican foreign minister, Cardinal Loyola, he said that the Israeli-Palestinian conflict is the mother of all conflicts. Yeah, yeah, I do remember that. When this started this past week, we saw tensions on the border between Israel and Jordan. And many people in Jordan, which is majority Palestinian, wanted to, to come in. There was tensions on the border with Lebanon. And it, there was even some suggestions that uh, some shooting from Syria, which is itself is in, hasn't got peace. So this has the possibility for degenerating in a terrible way. And that's what makes this war really different from past ones, right? This time, Pope Francis thinks that there's a much greater potential for this to have a domino effect across the region. Colleen, if we forget history. We've been going on here every couple of years. This is like the seasons. You get a season of peace and a season of war. And the bottom line is there is a massive injustice in the Holy Land, and that is the basic cause of all these conflicts. Seventy years ago, roughly, Israel was created, became a state, recognized as a state by the United Nations. Palestine should have been recognized as a state as well. There was a war started immediately. And ever since, we've had recurring wars, violence, season of peace, season of war. And we will get peace in some days, maybe a week, who knows, when they decide that enough damage has been done. And then you'll have reconstruction in Gaza, this place which is under blockade and which is being bombed from land, sea, and air and where people can't not free to come in and out. So Francis's message on Sunday was, one, ceasefire. Two, start talking, start trying to work together to begin to reconcile, to begin to negotiate, to begin to come with the help of the international community. And three, get peace, but peace with justice. Jerry, let's take a second to talk about Francis's history on this. I know that this was, it's obviously something that he's had, had his eye on for his entire papacy. Um, I remember, you know, back in 2014, he invited the Israeli president and the Palestinian Authority president to the Vatican to try to, you know, make some effort towards peace. They planted an olive tree together, but, you know, obviously nothing really came of it. Can you talk to me about Francis's history on the Holy Land and on the conflict here and kind of his own efforts towards peace. I, I think there are two things to. He, he comes from Argentina, and in Argentina, the Jews, and the Muslims, they're living together with the Christians and people of other religions. To bring this message home, he took Rabbi Skorka and the Islamic leader Omar Abut with him on the plane when he went to the Holy Land. And remind us who Rabbi Skorka is. Somos un signo de que se puede. Así, eso fue lo que se dijo, y lo que usted dijo. Y ninguno tuvo la pretensión de convertir al otro. Rabbi Skorka was, is, is a Jewish leader in Buenos Aires, and Omar Abud is an Islamic leader. He took them on the plane with him to the Holy Land. The three of them were there at the Western Wall, which some people call the Wailing Wall of the Old Temple, embracing each other. It was 
a visible, iconic message to the peoples of the Holy Land. Here we are, Christian, Jew, and Muslim in the Holy City embracing each other. And it wasn't just a gesture, right? They were actually very close. They're very close, and because they've been friends back in Buenos Aires, and they come here in the, to him, meet him, and talk with him in the Vatican. So that was the first thing. Then remember also that Francis, as a young Jesuit, got caught up, I think it was in the Yom Kippur War, not the Six-Day War, the Yom Kippur, 1973. He was already a priest, and he went, after a meeting in Rome, he went to uh, Jerusalem, and I think he was staying, in fact, at the Biblical Institute. But he got caught, and he was held there for a week, 10 days, I can't remember exactly how much. The conflict uh, lasted about about 20 days. Yeah. So he, he was there for, for, for that time, and he couldn't leave. So he's actually experienced one of these wars. Right, he's seen it firsthand. And he's aware of what hatred does. He's seen hatred at work in Argentina during the Dirty War. And he's in the political crisis, and he's seen hatred at work in, here in the Holy Land. And his message on Sunday, you know, where are we going? Where are you going with this conflict? I, I was quite struck by what he said. He said, uh, I ask, where will the hate and vendetta lead? Do we really think of building peace by destroying the other? His message is very clear. If you continue down this path, there will be no peace. Peace requires justice. Justice means acknowledging the rights of the Palestinians because they are suffering humiliation. They are citizens in Israel, many of them. Some of them have the documents that they don't want citizenship, but they're second class. I mean, anybody who's gone to Israel, to the Holy Land, will see the, this wall that divides. Jerry, I want us to circle back to the kind of Vatican angle on this. I, so Pope Francis has made these various efforts towards peace. He's also spoken out, you know, I remember in, in 2017 when the U.S. was considering moving its embassy to Jerusalem, which it, we ended up doing. Francis was really opposed to that, too. I wonder how much how much weight Pope Francis's words have when He's talking about this, uh, especially when it comes to the Israeli leadership. I I don't know that I have a sense for how much they actually respect him or would want to listen to him. I know that the Vatican has kind of an interesting, strained history with Israel in some ways. You know, we have the church has a long history with anti-Semitism, obviously, but then it, it didn't even establish diplomatic relations with Israel until 1993 and then Palestine in 2015. And it's been strange since then because of disagreements about property rights and tax exemptions. And so I'd love to get some context from you on what Israel's view of the Holy See is and and how that kind of plays out in this situation when Francis is calling for peace and justice. Look, Colleen, I've, I've been here through the most of the pontificate of John Paul II, Benedict and Francis. I remember the number of Jewish delegations that just come to visit John Paul II from Israel from the Jewish organizations, the World Jewish Federations, all over. Same happened with Benedict. And now I have seen, if you check 
all the audiences that Francis has given to Jewish communities, they consider it very, very important to have this good relationship between Christians and Jews, between the Holy See and Israel. But there is a blocking point, and the blocking point seems to be in the leadership that, remember, Francis invited, after his visit to Israel in 2000, May 2014, he came back and he invited the president of Israel, uh, Shimon Peres, and the president of the Palestinian uh, Authority, Mahmoud Abbas, to come together in the Vatican and pray together for peace. And it was a message. He would have liked to have got the prime minister of Israel as well, but that wasn't on the cards. But he got them. I was remember I was in the Vatican Gardens for that prayer thing. It was very beautiful. He had a private meeting with each one, and these two leaders they were talking to each other. But that didn't last. Right? It was a, a block in leadership, like you said, Jerry. You interviewed the Vatican Secretary of State Archbishop Gallagher recently, and he told you that the Vatican still supported a two-state solution. Maybe you could lay out the Vatican's vision for us. What has the Vatican wanted all along, really, since the creation of the State of Israel and the, the war that started? It has spelled out that it wants two states, one for the Palestinians, one for the Israelis, each with their own guaranteed, their protection, their sovereignty, their two independent states, secure, living side by side. It wants the city of Jerusalem, that there be access, it's a holy city to the three monotheistic religions, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam, and it wants that this status quo in terms of the right of the followers of each religion to go there, to pray, to practice their religion, and that their holy sites are protected. I think it's very significant that today, if you want to go to the Holy Sepulchre, as you know, Colleen, well, since you've been there, who has the keys to the holy to the Church of the Holy Sepulchre? A Muslim. He opens it every morning. There, there, there can be peace. When you go there, there's something magic about the holy city about the Holy Land, and it is so sad. I remember when I went there many years ago now, the thing that really upset me so much was seeing so many young people carrying guns. And now the settlers in the Palestinian lands can carry guns. The Palestinians can't, but the settlers can. We have to put the guns in the dustbin and make peace. And this is the message the Pope is giving. So first of all, two-state solution. Respect for the holy city and the freedom of worship and the freedom of access and the protection of the sites. And then for these two Semitic peoples to live together as brothers and sisters, that's the long-term goal. But you need a phase of reconciliation and you need leaders who are going to guide their people to peace. Jerry, I appreciate getting your perspective on this and, and some of your firsthand experience. I think it's really, really valuable for both me and for our listeners. So thank you. Well, thank you, Colleen. I hope that by the time we sit again to record the next episode, that the ceasefire will be operative and that some steps will be made to begin negotiations that can lead to a peace, a justice as the grounds for peace. And as Pope Francis said on Sunday, he asked us all to pray incessantly for peace. So we'll be doing that. Amen. We have a beautiful reflection up from a Christian woman who's living in Jerusalem right now, reflecting on what it's like to live through this war. And we'll have more on that in the coming days. You can find that all at americamagazine.org. We have one more update before we go. 
Pope Francis has appointed a new bishop to the Diocese of Hong Kong. This is a post that has sat vacant for two years as Hong Kong has lost its democratic freedoms, and at the same time, a number of Catholics have come to prominence as pro-democracy activists. Some of them have even gone to jail. We should say that this new bishop was not appointed with Beijing's approval because Hong Kong falls outside of the Vatican's deal with China on appointing new bishops, but Pope Francis was looking for someone who is not really seen as an ally nor as a threat to Beijing, and who knows the situation well and has the ability to lead the community effectively as a spiritual leader in the face of difficulties. The person he chose for the job was Father Stephen Chow Saoyan, who is the head of the Chinese Jesuits. You can read more about now Bishop-elect Chow Saoyan at americamagazine.org, and I'll link to Jerry's report on that in the show notes. Inside the Vatican is a production of America Media. This week's episode was produced by Sebastian Gomes and Maggie Van Dorn. Production assistance from Robert Vallisar at the Jesuit Curia in Rome. Inside the Vatican is mixed by Kevin Christopher Robles. You can find in-depth and up-to-date Vatican coverage at americamagazine.org and follow us on Twitter at I-N-S-D-E Vatican Pod. That's inside without the second I, Vatican Pod. You can also email us your comments and questions at insidethevatican at americamedia.org. And if you want to support our show, the best way to do that is by subscribing to America Magazine. You can do that at americamagazine.org slash subscribe. Thanks. For America Media with Gerard O'Connell, I'm your host and producer, Colleen Deli. We'll see you next time. Have you ever wanted to dive deeper into scripture? If so, you're in luck, because every day there's a new scripture reflection from the thoughtful staff at America Media, thinking through big questions together, like, what do Catholics believe about guardian angels? And what can Gen Zers take away from the Gospels? If you're already a subscriber, you can access these reflections in your email inbox or on our website. If you'd like to become a digital subscriber, it's easy to do. Just visit americamagazine.org slash subscribe, and you'll have full access to America's scripture reflections.